Greetings, reader fans. Welcome to episode 17 of Data Slate, Lave Radio's book review and science fiction, fantasy and horror writing show. This is the Space Pilot's best friend when waiting for clearance from the space station. I'm your host, Station Commander Alan Stroud, and on this episode, we'll be talking a little bit about the Nebula Awards, a little bit about FantasyCon, which is going to be happening later in the year, and also I'll be discussing with my special guest, Tim C. Taylor, about his writing. Welcome, Tim. Thank you very much for inviting me. So for those of you that don't know, Tim is the author of the Human Legion series of books, and we'll be talking about the Human Legion series and its spin-off series a little bit later when we get into the bulk of the show. Tim is also at LaveCon. He's been before. He was here, there in 2015, for anyone that remembers. Should do, shouldn't they? It was great. And we, we had, obviously, a selection of reading. So what have you been up to since then, Tim? Anything much? Uh, yeah, I've written a few books. I think that's kind of uh, been a lot of my time. So uh, I haven't done much in terms of cons. I did an Easter con. Mm-hmm. Busy, 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 head down, typing away, and doing a lot of talking, actually. I've I've worked hard at the uh, dictation, you know, the dragon dictate thing, because it. Uh, I have some problems with my with wrist strain, so it's been well worth learning how to to talk stories, which is quite a challenge. Well, that's that's interesting because I use that for my marking, so it's probably mm. not not as interesting for for listeners listening to me talk about my marking. But um, yeah, <laughs> I do spend most of my day. <laughs> at the moment using dragon dictate to uh to dictate my my feedback for for students so uh yeah no it's uh well as you know if you get used to it then you know it can save an awful lot of strain but also it can be quite a lot faster you can talk faster than you can type certainly i can talk faster than i can type neatly and i do have the problem i can't read my own writing so i'm kind of out of other options really i, I think i can do about three essays in about the time i can do one and my feedback is much better. It's much more detailed. So that was why I, I converted to it. I've not tried it with fiction. I'm used to the whole say this line, full stop, open quote, you know, blah, 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 which you have to do when, when you're using Dragon. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's not something that I've tried with fiction. I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. But we'll come back to that in a moment. So one of the first things we should talk about in the news is the announcement of the Nebula Awards. Now, we've got the nominations list and we also have the awards. So the nominations list to start with was somewhat different there were some similarities between that and the hugo awards in the hugo awards you had books like all the birds in the sky nine fox gambit and uh, the obelisk gate which are also in the shortlist for the nebulas but uh, the nebulas have been announced they were announced this last weekend and the winner was all the birds in the sky by charlie jane anders and that's published by tor so it'll be interesting to see if that also picks up some of the other awards or just gets the nebula. So we, we get a bit of a share out in terms of what's there. Then in Best Novella, we have Every Heart a Doorway by Sean and Maguire, also published by Tor. And then the novelette, The Long Fall Up by William Ledbetter, which was in the magazine of uh, fantasy and science fiction. Best short story is Seasons of Glass and Iron by Amal L. Motar, published by The Starlit Wood. And then we're down into the film. So the Ray Bradbury Award was for Arrival. Have you seen Arrival? Uh, no, not yet. Oh, um, that's the one based on the um, the short story, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's correct. So yes, Arrival based on uh, Ted Chang's. Ted Chang, yeah, yeah uh, based on Ted Chang's short story. Yeah, then, I like Ted Chang. They've expanded it so that you know, so that actually there's a there's a novel, and um, I, I've got the novel as well as, as seeing the film. It's a very very good film. I can't recommend Arrival enough. I think Arrival is a very good 
Uh, it's nice to see science fiction that's dealing with something that's hard, that's difficult to comprehend, you know, and it is yes. tricky. So uh, that's one over Zootopia, Doctor Strange, Kubo and the Two Strings, Westworld and uh, Rogue One. Westworld, I love the series of Westworld. I think it kind of sagged a little in the middle, perhaps, but was, was certainly fantastic. And then we have the Andre Norton Award for Young Adult Science Fiction and Fantasy and Arabella of Mars by David D. Levine. Again, published by Tor. Tor appear to have done really well here. We need to get in with Tor, obviously, Tim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think they expanded their team. I think they expanded their output. Sure. So, uh, you know, things are going well for tour at the moment, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. So congratulations to them. If you want to have a look through the Nebula lists or have a look at anything related to the Nebula Awards, these are, incidentally, these are not... Um, the Hugos are nominated and voted for by the membership. The Nebula is, works in a slightly different way. It's not quite so open, which is why you don't get the same kind of controversy. Anyone that um, has followed... Our last two episodes will know, you know, I've talked a little bit in the last episode about the controversies of the Hugos. Anyone that's followed that, they will see that here the Nebulas don't quite get that because it's more juried. So it's a bit more controlled in terms of the way in which they, the awards. But if you want to have a look, it's at nebulas.sfwa.org. And then you have slash award hyphen year slash 2016. Okay, so moving on from there, the next thing we've got is uh, something that is a little bit close to home. FantasyCon, which is the convention of the British Fantasy Society and is the convention I've got the honour of chairing this year on the 29th of September to the 1st of October, where we've just announced our first guest of honour. Our first guest of honour is Nancy Kilpatrick, and Nancy was one of the White Wolf writers. She wrote some of the World of Darkness fiction back in the, the 1990s and has since gone on to write all sorts of vampire stories and all sorts of, of horror. So yeah, so she's been in an array of short story booklets and has put out all sorts of Cthulhu work. She's done quite a lot of, uh, of different vampire short stories and she's currently on her second book in a new trilogy, which is Thrones of Blood. The first book, Revenge of the Vampire King, is out. Second book is Sacrifice of the Hybrid Princess, which is being released at FantasyCon. Tim, have you done FantasyCon? I released the two book launches there, actually, uh -huh. in 2012, mm -hmm. which I remember distinctly because you, I had a FantasyCon 2012 messenger bag, which is very impressive. Yeah, so I've not been back since, but I've got a lot of friends who go there. Sure. So, uh, yeah, definitely I will do a FantasyCon before long. Well, we're in, we're in Peterborough this year, so we're not far from you. Not far. No, yeah. you were saying, was the bag particularly good in 2012? Sorry, I'm just taking notes, yep. Yes. Okay, but right. A bit more successful than the book launches. Okay. So the, but they were fun as well. So the bag was particularly good, okay? You've you've heard it here. We have made sure that we have a note of that, that the bag was good. I will bag. Good bag. Got it. Okay. And of course, this is our second convention that we're running this year. The first convention we're running is LaveCon. LaveCon is on the 23rd to the 25th of June, and tickets are still available. Tim's going to be on a panel, aren't you, Tim? I am, yes. Yeah. So uh, this year, one of the things we're going to discuss is communities and fan groups and uh, bits and pieces like that, which Tim will be sharing his experience because obviously the Human Legion very, very popular and you've got uh, you've got quite a stateside following, if I remember from the last time we chatted. Yeah, in terms of sales, it works out about 82% US, I think. Rich, you know, so, yeah, really interesting in that 
you know that sort of is the market that's picked up on what you're you're writing well i'm not so sure actually okay. i mean i it's something i do look at very very closely mm. in terms of i mean these days i'm largely sold through amazon except for the audio sales but i look at how well does the amazon charting sales rank say i'm, I'm doing in comparison with everything else mm. in the uk and everything else in, in the us and it seems to be surprisingly about the same mm. so obviously it's a bigger market in America. Amazon.com is bigger than Amazon Co. UK, but within that market, I think I'm doing about as equally well, which surprised me because I must admit going into it, I sort of had the expectation that military science fiction was more perhaps of an American thing than a British thing, but I don't think they, uh, that's true. Sure. I guess I'm kind of almost a newbie to that experience because my story, The Last Tank Commander, is going to go in, in with Bayon in about a week. So, you know, and of course it's in an anthology, so I won't really see the the details of the sales but um it'd be interesting to see what the the comparative response is in relation to that you know whether that's that's any different to the stuff that i sell over here i mean it will be interesting and one of the things that is interesting about bayon talking about communities is it has a fantastically strong brand loyalty mm. so you can be into bayon and buy lots of books and so on uh, and do it all through the bayon website and certainly one of the things I've had with people feeding back to, obviously, like my books, mm. I've so often heard the comment, I used to only read Bayon, and, and now I'm, I'm branching out to other authors such as yourself. Very, very strong community there. Mm, interesting. And interesting to see, you know, what their, their sort of, you know, their marketing is and, and how that all works. So, yeah, so I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. And obviously it's it's out in about two weeks. So, uh, uh, you know, it'd be interesting. Good luck with that. Yeah, no, thank you. It, you very know, exciting. Yeah, very much so, you know, but it'd be interesting to see if there's a difference in the reaction in terms of what's there. But um, certainly handling the American market then, I, I mean, as you said, you know, you're sort of as well known or, or selling sort of a comparative amount proportionally. I think a lot of English writers, certainly a lot of British writers, struggle with just even breaking in. What do you think did it for you? Well, I uh, seized a bit of a window of opportunity, I guess. It was a time when on Amazon, uh, through the Amazon KDP self-publishing platform, you could start to do pre-orders. Yeah. So essentially people found my book because they were looking for what's coming next in space opera and military science fiction. Oh. Because of far fewer people were were doing pre-orders in those days mm -hmm. i was top of the list for you know i was on the front page of that that sort of way of looking for for books for about 10 days but the other part of it is i worked very hard at the the title and the cover art mm. that it would be attractive to a potential readership and that obviously worked mm. and it it's certainly i mean that's one of the things because they're certainly all of the human legion stuff is very iconic in terms of the way in which you've managed that if we're talking about the spin-offs at the moment you've got the sleeping legion haven't you of uh, uh, a spin-off category and you've also got the revenge squad that's right isn't it they're both they're both spin -offs, right, yeah. yeah so but again you know they're variations but you can still see a common theme in terms of what's there so it's very much a brand in terms of what you're doing yes definitely i have to say when i first saw the sleeping legion books i did worry because i thought oh tim's doing something and someone's copying him oh. uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's good in a way because it, yeah i mean um the typography yeah is definitely meant to be the same yeah 
and I mean it yeah, absolutely you know and it, it's it's got you know the same sort of same layout you've got the the same fonting in the same places and you know and everything with the the way in which the title sort of set out so certainly there's a there's a series aspect to that that is that's continued on and, and allowed some longevity are they as standalone as they are in sequence well uh, it, it varies a little bit actually I've always tried to make them standalone in the sense that people are already following it. Mm. it might be six months it's the last book so yeah. i i don't want it ever to be you know they stop me conversation sure and also i've i've always wanted to have a slightly different feel to each one mm. um, so for example the first book i relaxed in the simplicity of having a single point of view character mm. but with the intention that there would be potentially other main point of view characters who would sort of take the, the chair for the other books. I didn't quite go as far as that in the end, but they've got a different feel mm. and that's all part of making them feel kind of separate. But the first, the very first book, although I was very pleased with it when I'd, I'd finished it, it was too long. Mm. So I wrote the second book almost thinking, well, I might ditch the first book. Uh, and so people just start on the second one. Mm. Um, as it was, people said, oh, it's so refreshing to have a nice, you know, big meaty book to, to kick off with <laughs> so it actually worked out for me in the end anyway but yes the second one and almost the third one were written with the intention you could start here in the series sure. which i think is quite a good a good discipline and because i had beta readers so um, i could try out various people who would say i am or i am not repeating myself too much that's quite interesting because my experience of amazon i started with the wissamere stuff in about 2011 so probably a little bit behind you and um with those i quite literally did them cliffhanger ending continue straight on uh, because i put the first two books up at the same time uh trying that's quite an innovation well yeah well i was trying i was looking at it and going well okay you know we can do this whole thing with amazon giving the first book for free so i'm going to treat it like i'm a drug dealer (laughs) and leave leave you on a cliffhanger right at the end of the first book and, and continue it straight on in the second book so you're actually only paying for one book but you know so so yeah and i mean you know that sort of worked to a point i don't think it worked to the scale that you've managed to you know to sort of maintain the the human legion series because uh, obviously the you know the the difference there was quite stark in that these absolutely required the previous book to be read so it is a bit difficult if you choose to read the dragon of wissamere you know you are turning up mid dragon battle <laughs> which if you want the first half of the dragon battle you have to read the first book at the end so you know it's, uh, yeah uh, it can be annoying i mean i think when people have been talking about this for a lot of you know for years in the uh, sort of writing communities yeah. and a lot of people would say that that approach does actually bring in more readers mm. as long as you've got you, you you pay off and you get the, the follow-up book really quickly mm. which you obviously did then uh, it irritates readers until they read the next book and then they love it yeah yeah it does work i managed to get i managed to get three out i'm still working on the fourth one the the third one isn't so bad as an ending it's all right you know it's not too bad you want to know what's going to happen next but Mm. you can at least you know leave the characters there for a bit do you find that um essentially because the one thing i found is that it's quite nice that as you move on people come back and discover stuff is that essentially what you found that you know that with your with your newer work that people come back and discover the earlier work and, you know, and then then sort of read through and, and kind of have the whole experience, you know, in a sort of shorter microcosm than it took to write them. 
Yeah, um, it, it does. Last Christmas had two sort of spin-off series came out. There was a Sleeping Legion one mm-hmm. by an American author called J.R. Handley, or actually it's a, a composite of a, a writer and his mum and his wife, oh. actually. Okay. Um, so that's that's gone very well. That's definitely boosted up mm. the um, interest in the Human Legion, and the interest is coming for the the final book in the Human Legion is doing the reverse as well. So that's working quite well. Mm. The Revenge Squad books well, that didn't work so well. They hit some sort of some bad reviews, and people didn't quite like the way I'd moved that on from the sort of main Human Legion series. So that's going to have to be a relaunched when the next book. Mm comes back from the editor which would be the third novel so i've still got a lot of hopes for that i think that's in many ways the most commercial things that i've written but i think they were a step too far away from what people were expecting in the human legion so that hasn't worked mm. so come back to answering your question but very much i hope to do so because they're all different with different mm. feel to them but they're set in the same wider sort of setting mm. and i guess sort of you know with the fact that it's now become quite a, a world you know, in terms of what you're constructing, because it's it's following one set of fiction, but you're also you're you're branching out into other areas. I'm assuming that you've got ideas then to spin off into different directions as well. Not asking for any spoilers here. I will I will <laughs> I will qualify there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm assuming that you know by being able to branch it slightly, that does give you more perspective to be able to go in different directions. Well, it does, and uh, it is a strange and exciting thing to watch another author develop your work uh, into new and unexpected directions as Jaro Handley has done. I mean, he actually started off as a fan who was a writer as well, but who kept suggesting, why don't you do this and why don't you do that? It's been an interesting thing for a story. So I said, well, you write it. So, I mean, he, he, he was quite, I wouldn't quite say nervous, but he's conscious that he was working in my sort of universe, I think, for the first sort of book or so. But now he's sort of really going for it mm. and uh, that's exciting to see I mean the, the creativity is is sparking um, and also I co-wrote a couple of books with uh, Ian Waits in the series and that was the best part of that that relationship where we would sit down in, in one of our lounges and we'll just spark our ideas off each yeah. other and that was really quite effective that's quite it's actually it's interesting because actually I've got a comparable relationship in that working on Phoenix Point at the moment where we've we sort of moved on from doing elite and and doing other bits and pieces now working on phoenix point i'm working with uh co-writer jonas karatz who is known for the talos principle and where we will have weekly writers meetings with julian gollop who's the uh, the head of snapshot games and the the originator of and ceo and you know of everything else of, uh, of phoenix point and, and snapshot so we sit down well we we sit down over skype you know we sit down in our our virtual lounge and um We'll sit and plot through, you know, different aspects of, uh, of what's working, what's not working, you know, what, what needs changing in particular pieces of fiction and so on. And it is interesting, it, it, you know, to start with, you kind of think, and I, you know, I freely sort of admit with this, I, I kind of think it's a bit difficult occasionally to sort of get a sense of the other person's work and whether they're they're doing, you know, what you're doing. Um, I, at times, you know, I've had people send me stuff and say oh I, i've written this would you look at this i get that quite a lot actually um <laughs> don't know about you but i i, I do and you, you know you have to be you know you want to be constructive to anybody who is is creating mm. something and at the same time you've also you you've got to get a, a gauge for what level they're at and sort of help them move 
to where yeah. they want to be next. Yeah. And certainly, you know, the the interesting thing with with working with Jonas is that actually, I read his his opening pieces and went, there there isn't a concern here, you know, mm. I don't need to worry now. And and occasionally, you know, he'll pick a typo of mine, I'll pick a typo of his, which is totally fine. You know, we'll query something out. We've got a very good working relationship. So it once you get to that, you know, and then the the sort of creativity sparks, you know, and people have ideas, it's you know, it's good fun. You certainly end up with something greater than the sum of some of the parts, I think. Well, that's what you're aiming for, isn't mm. it? Yeah. So I mean, do you how do you sort of share out the the writing duties? Well, at the moment, it's just short story bits and pieces. So we're essentially we're we're promoting um, the uh, the Phoenix Point uh, Fig, the crowdfunding campaign, which I should mention um, this evening. Actually, I think it was last night went over its first stretch goal. So we've now got drivable vehicles are going to be in the in the game. But um, currently, there's a set of short story fiction that we're releasing as part of the the campaign and. Jonas will will write one story based on what he he's interested in. I'll write another, and so on. So, and it's kind of gravitated towards him writing more about the human faction because we're we're set in a dystopia where aliens have invaded the planet, and there's there's a player controlled human faction called the Phoenix Project who are trying to solve everything, and then there are three other factions who are sort of trying to solve everything. One of them is sort of a human purist faction one of them's a uh, an alien mutation faction and one of them's a, an eco faction um and then you've got the aliens themselves so we're we're kind of ending up gravitating towards different aspects so jonas gravitates more towards the phoenix project towards the the sort of eco sort of center i've ended up with more of the gribbly stuff <laughs> which you know that's that's kind of how it's it seemed to seem to parcel so you know i mean well, that's... that'd be interesting to deliberately have a go in the the other person's yeah home territory as it were yeah you know i mean obviously you've got to be quite careful to make sure you you know you research it carefully in terms of uh the last story i did actually launch codes uh used a bit of phoenix project characterization and I had to make sure, and you know, we do all the time. We're checking with each other, but you have to make sure that you don't contradict anything. I mean, how did you find that writing collaboratively then with Ian? Was that was that a similar? Were there strengths and weaknesses in particular areas that you went for, or did you interchange? The best part of it was sitting down face to face and just thrashing ideas out. Uh, and we took the point of view that the default we never really got beyond this was we could each veto the other so i i had a uh one of my characters a drink problem at one point and then ian said oh, no no you don't want that anyone does that make it more interesting so i, I said okay but it's the thing you have so many possibilities as you're creating a, a story you, you don't really know it's, it's partly random which road you go down but you've got somebody else with all those ideas saying don't like that don't like that this is good you know you help to sort of navigate into perhaps fresh areas that you would it forces you into sort of thinking you know challenging yourself um, but the, the in terms of the writing um, I mean the idea was we would pick uh, not necessarily scene but perhaps a connection connected a set of scenes mm. and then we would write one of us would write it and then before we tidied it while it was still sort of messy in the ink wet we would then give it to the other person and they would just rewrite it at will so they'd rewrite it in a sense of they would put their sort of um, you know phrasing on it and maybe alter a few things, but what they wouldn't do is just completely throw it all, all away and start a game from scratch. Because if it, you know, if I was felt the need to do that, then it clearly wasn't going to work as a partnership. Mm. So you know, when we were both motivated and working on it, 
and uh, available, then that that was pretty successful. I think that's a good way to work. Yeah, and and I mean, I guess as well, you know, that that sort of backwards and forwards helps with that necessary editing process anyway, because I know Ian's obviously experienced as an editor. Um, you know, I'm 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 assuming that with the fact that it's your fiction, so essentially you're able to bring to the table not just you know just that fresh pair of eyes, but also the the intimate knowledge of of yeah. your particular fictional world. So you're you know you're bringing different. Things. I'm my own bible. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean that at times I know I've found that you know you can forget stuff so you do have to make sure you write it down but um <laughs> well that's true and i must admit one of the things that uh ian did do is he he, he changed the bible he, he introduced an idea that hadn't occurred to me but to him uh was a big, big point whether it's a big point in the story well you know that's not for me to judge but I, it it did make quite a, a change because i had actually sketched out these the stories that became the human legion mm. about 2001 mm. So I'd been on the cars for a long time, so it was it was a, uh, a surprise to to realise something that Ian spotted that I hadn't thought of at all. That was quite interesting. I think uh, as well, uh, you know, you know, a lot of my stories are quite old in that regard, and certainly I found I wasn't ready to be able to write them. You know, I made some attempts when I had some original ideas, and actually I wasn't yeah. ready. Um, well, uh, yeah, and I took that sort of a new level in a way. I. I sat down one day in 2001 at a weekend and thought, wouldn't it be nice to write some things? N- not to actually get published or anything, but mm. because it be, you know, it helps to develop your appreciation of, you know, science fiction literature to actually have a go yourself. Mm. So I sat down and, and worked out the, the sort of universe and the setting and some stories, and then I started writing them. And I got about 30,000 words through, and I, I just had to accept I don't have the technical skill to write a novel at the moment but that wasn't the story of the human legion Mm. that was the story five centuries earlier when humanity sort of encounters the wider galaxy so i've got this sort of backstory that uh, i've never actually written properly but it's a it's a rich back history to explain why all these things are going on five centuries later when the human legion is set that's, Which that's, has worked out quite well for me. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, it gives you somewhere to go back to, doesn't it, at some point later if you want to. I don't know about you, but I think you were probably lucky in that if it was only 30,000 words, and that's not too bad. I've got something like 180,000 words sat somewhere. that, <laughs> And I did actually, about a year ago, I did pick out the first book and started to rewrite it. And it took me five weeks to do 4,000 words. And I just thought I'd be better off just starting again. <laughs> well, I, I do think that's the case. I mean, I I come from a, a software coding background. Mm. And it's certainly been very clear to, to me that if you're going to rewrite something, if you get beyond a certain level of rewriting, you know, perhaps 15, 20%, you're much better off actually starting again from scratch. Yeah. Because your mind works differently i think if you're editing detail from creating story mm. and i don't think your mind's working the same way you you won't get the the benefit of your 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 current level of expertise i think if you are rewriting something better to write a new story but having got your crib sheet behind you behind you interesting okay so with regards to the detail the rest of the the franchise i noticed that over on the Human Legion website, you were mentioning you've started to go into audio. Is that right? Yeah. The the first three books on the main series were picked up by Tantor, uh, uh, I don't know, about 18 months ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were only three books um, out at the time. 
so they're, the, they're currently the only ones in the main series that are on audio but the sleeping legion series was picked up by podium all right so as far as i know the first of that is is being recording as we speak so that's podium they're the people who did uh, the martian yeah so got high hopes for them so that will i think having the the audio for the sleeping legion coming out at a, at a time when uh, it's closer to the release of the books is yeah. probably a better thing because it's a it's over a year well a tantor was about a year plus after the books came out the audio came out and for a while they were at sort of cd prices and yeah. they people you know, the fans said it's just too expensive but then when it got to the point where you can get the additional narration from the kindle book on amazon then then things did sort of pick up but that's about 18 months after books came out and i think it was probably a little bit late it's interesting of uh, of comparison then i'll sort of explain this a bit in that i recently did a reading guide for penguin over on the penguin random house website for Piticus law and of course Piticus law the the series i am number four uh the power of six and you know and, and the rest of the series it's all written under the pseudonym Piticus law who's actually a character in the series but it's it's an amalgamation of three different writers it was one writer to start with and then it became two other writers and it, it sort of splits and spins in, in different ways. But it, it does create this vast tapestry of different stories. There is this, you know, sort of main thread of the chosen children who are aliens who are fleeing from, from their oppressors on this planet. And then they, they turn around and resist them and they turn around and fight back and so on. There is that. And then there's also origin stories and there's also, you know, sort of small short spin-offs. What's interesting there is obviously they coordinated under one particular name. And I know... James Corey's the same. I, I don't believe James Corey, you know, for anyone that uh, doesn't know the the name behind The Expanse, the series of novels and, and now the, the TV series on Netflix, that's not one person. So I was interested that um, you made a distinctive decision to, you know, to make sure that each author had a, a different, you know, that, that they were credited and um, and were, you know, were, were different entities, as it were. Does that kind of hark back to... Um, maybe i don't know stackpole and and alston um where they were working well yeah it, it might have done perhaps i mean we we i did uh look at the two people who combined to make james s a cory um they they did talk about that quite extensively and we did nick some of the ideas so they have the thing where they have two different characters so they each one will write their character but then they'll just as i did with then they'll give it still wet to the other yeah. author to then edit the scene without it being you know it can be very easy if you've gone through all the work to wordsmith it all to <clears throat> to be a little bit resentful when somebody throws out all the work you've you've done so it's they, they pass it over wet but i think it was a lot simpler than that because the um i mean i i got in touch with ian just before the launch of renegade legion he edited that actually renegade legion is the third even legion book ian worked with me on the, the fourth and the fifth because i had a reputation and people were sort of following me then it made sense for me to keep my name there but also it helps if if ian brings in an audience from elsewhere as he did then uh, you know having his name as well helps mm. both bring people in and then also of course um, ferrying out to ian's own work and yeah certainly that that sort of element of crossover does help and you know you do you you bring audiences across different things and when we were talking to darren gray the other week actually the fact that darren worked on elite dangerous now working on jupiter hell 
that obviously is a draw darren you know has certain people that will sort of uh look out what he's doing next but at the same time then the fact that we were talking a bit about phoenix point that meant that you know the the people on jupiter hell saw phoenix point the phoenix point people saw jupiter hell so yeah so it is good to cross pollinate particularly when we we live in these times when we're we're publishing more and more and more and uh you know we're we're quite such a diverse genre uh in terms of what's there well yeah i think that's very true because people will react to the fact that there's so many more books being published than ever before i mean by a, a long stretch in our sort of neck of the publishing world and so i think they want a lot of people like to have a sort of set of sort of safe authors where they know they enjoy these people mm. so definitely if you can do that sort of branching out and be associated with other people it can help to expand your audience and um, and i'm doing that right at the moment i am working on the sixth people legion book for anybody who's listening in and thinks i should be doing my day job properly <laughs> but i'm also this today just finished off a a short story or novelette, I guess, for a series coming out called The Four Horsemen, um, which is in fact already out. So that's something set up by two authors, Chris Kennedy and, and Mark Wandry. They uh, designed the, the setting, but to help expand it, there's going to be two uh, anthologies of other authors mm-hmm. who are taking this bible and this idea and expanding it. So, I mean, I don't, I, my story hasn't been accepted, so I might not be in it, you don't know. But that's that's the sort of thing going on at the moment quite a lot actually these sort of shared world things mm. and you know it's a sort of two-way benefit thing bringing in other people in these sort of shared world anthologies to get that sort of you know the word spreading in both directions i guess touching on that some readers and you know i'll count myself here and, and it's not because of anything special but as a reader because i review quite a lot of books that turned me and you know and i i've I've said this before now a few years ago i'd stopped reading because i taught writing so much i was looking for so many of the tricks and techniques i was struggling to read beyond chapter four because if the block hook didn't get me then i you know i was kind of putting a book down whereas i got back into reading because i was reviewing and by reviewing so many books it means that i'm reading quite quite a wide palette you know I, I i will read across from here to here and to here to here you know there'll be horror one minute there'll be literary magic realism on the other and then there'll be uh mr james is sat beside the bed then you've got some ken Liu. then you go down to uh to r.a salvatore you know so there's there's quite a you know quite a breadth of stuff but i, I guess that actually in this in this world of publishing more people like you say do want something there's almost a reassurance in sticking with maybe one or two writers that they know that are going to deliver the things that they want and then by having someone else come in it's almost like a reassuring bridge isn't it you know because you know you're you're moving into their stuff and and you're maybe you know because certainly if i recall when i read michael stackpole i love michael stackpole when i read michael stackpole do the star wars books when he did his x-wing series when Aaron Alston, the late Aaron Alston, suddenly appeared on the cover and, and it wasn't Michael Stackpole, there was a moment in Waterstones where I went, hmm, uh, but then it was, well, okay, well, we'll try one. And of course, the, the quality was, you know, was absolutely comparable. Okay, so there were maybe one or two characters in Stackpoles that I wanted to see the further adventures of them, specifically Wedge Antilles, for example. I wanted to spend more time knowing about Wedge Antilles, but actually both of those authors were more than capable of writing really really good 
space opera and alston tended to be a little bit more espionage but that was great and i really enjoyed them so it you can kind of see that you can see readers needing that needing those kind of branches and of course as writers we love that because we want audiences don't we and if i have an audience and you have an audience by sharing that people see that there's a synergy there you know in terms of the way in which that works Hmm, definitely so you were saying that the sixth book is something you're in the middle of at the moment and i'm assuming dragon dictation is helping uh, as much as it can uh, yes it does although i i do get the bus to bedford library sometimes to my writing there okay so i have to be i have to make do with the pen and paper variety um, but then often what i'll do is i'll, I'll write for sort of two-thirds of the day come back and then i'll sit in the conservatory and, and talk it all through and that's not a bad way of working yeah, absolutely. I, I did find I tried one step too far and I will I will recommend to anybody using Dragon Software probably don't do this because I do an hour's commute to work. So I took a dictaphone in the car and a pair of headphones. And so on my hour's commute, I dictated. <laughs> and got some strange looks. Well, no, no, that was that wasn't a problem. That was that was OK. It's that when you're driving, you just can't dictate the punctuation. Yeah. So the lovely thing with Dragon is what Dragon will do is if you, you you put the stuff into a dictaphone, you can bring the dictaphone home, you can take the file or you can take the, you know, whatever, you can put, copy it onto your laptop and you can press a button on Dragon and it will analyze everything you've done. And I got yeah. 6,000 words of gobbledygook. <laughs> <laughs> You know, to this day, I look through some of those sentences and I go, I have no idea what I was talking about. Absolutely no idea what I was talking about at all. What on earth does that mean? So, yeah, so so, there, so I would recommend anybody looking to write a novel, don't do it by a dragon when you're driving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you learn anything, anything tonight, then, you know, that yep. is that is something to, to take. So, yeah, when are you anticipating, and I'm not going to put pressure on you here, but when are you anticipating to have book six ready by? I think it will be launched September. Okay. All right. It's a good time. I, I hear there's a convention at the end of that, that month. Might be, yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I, you know there's... Someone near Peterborough. Yeah, I heard. I heard someone's running one. And I take it that J.R. Handley is obviously he's now going through and doing more with the Sleeping Legion. And uh, are there any anticipated dates of, uh, of anything further coming up with that? Yeah, well, actually, no, he's working on the, the fourth one at the moment. I think he's just had Operation Breakout, haven't you, on the 25th? Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's been just over a month now. Mm. Um, so he's, he's a long way through the fourth one. Uh-huh. Might take a break before doing the fifth, okay. which will be... We didn't really intend to have a fifth one in the end, but that's going to be a bit complicated because the fifth Sleeping Legion book will lead into the sixth Human Legion book, which I'm writing at the moment. So we've now sort of flipped around because originally his thing, J.R. Handley, I wrote something in the dangling thread, if you like, with some key characters with it that stop in the fourth human legion book designed for him to then take up mm. so having bequeathed him something that was sort of standalone for him to to take up and run with he's now filling it back into the final human legion book so i'm actually going to use some of his characters which is a little bit odd okay so uh, see how that works well yeah you'll you'll have to make sure you've got your your biographies and everything in terms of what they've done and not done previously well, the editor's very fierce at times so yeah definitely <laughs> that's all there 
I, I don't know. Are you and you know, and this this probably a bit of a writing question here, but are you are you someone who works better with planning, or are you someone who works better off the cuff in terms of the way in which you uh, you manage your work? Well, I've always sort of sketched out the basic idea and then largely thrown away as I discover things as I write okay. it. But more and more now, I'm working to a plan in the sense that I've got a structure, yeah. which will tend to be a four-part structure. So I, I know the key events and I know when the twists are going to happen. And it's it's much more – I mean, I don't always follow it, but I think if, if you've got that sort of discipline to begin with, the pacing – tends to come out better and you tend to get less distracted by sort of you know tangents and I do think the result is better or it is for me I mean people it's a very difficult thing creating novels uh, and people have a very different approach to it but for me I think that whole structure is something I'm, I'm working with and it's something that I in reading books in the last sort of two or three years I look for a lot more the, the structure the pacing why do things happen at the point in the, in the story when they do and I you know I appreciate that a lot more and I think I think readers do. I don't understand it necessarily is going on, and nor should they. But I think structuring things, I think, is actually a good idea. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's interesting because obviously, in terms of your research and planning before you're writing, some people like to do you know exhaustive research. Some people don't. I need to know my ending. I mean, that's oh. the that's the main thing I have to do is as I have to know the ending. If I don't know the ending, then I know I'm going to struggle and thereafter sometimes i'll put a list of key events and tick them off but actually i kind of prefer to be able to let the writing sort of gestate that said when you're working for somebody or with somebody on a project structuring is essential and something i'm working on at the moment they really want a structure and and of course you're kind of thinking to a point you're thinking i'd just like to get on and write it but they want a structure you know so you know that's 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 what you do um so yeah, okay. So to give our listeners a bit of uh, a heads up, then you can find all the information in relation to the Human Legion. It's over on humanlegion.com. That has a selection of Tim's books. It has a selection of uh, J.R. Handley's books. You've also got, um, I think, you've got some linking here to all the latest news relating to what you're doing with the Human Legion. And there's a little bit of background and what have you. And uh, I quite like the fact that as well, you've got one of the pictures halfway down just sort of scrolls up and down it's quite it's quite hypnotizing all the others are static but you've got you've got one picture that that sort of i mean it flips over to different covers but it also it, it sort of it's like a window picture and it's, it's oh yeah 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 it's um, really nice <laughs> i ought to know what are you talking about really uh, flipping it down oh yes so you got the picture this is revenge squad little square thing yeah yeah there's there's yeah. um it says just below it says the sleeping legion awakes and then beside it you've got revenge squad has arrived yeah yeah but it does it sort of flips up and down so so you know the um it's like a window to a larger picture which is is really cool so um i i could probably sit there all day just dragging the <laughs> dragging the browser up and down just to just to take a look at that and also tim is going to be with us at uh, at lavecon i'm going to try and persuade tim to do a little bit of a reading on the Saturday. So um, if you want to hear a bit of a snippet from some of the Human Legion, then I think you'll probably get a chance to, if we can persuade you. Of course, Tim might choose to read something else. That's, you know, it's entirely up to you, Tim. Don't um, know, yep. It will have to be a surprise, but uh, but certainly we're hoping that um, that we can have him there to, to talk a little bit about that and to talk a bit about his fan community associated with his work and how you how you manage some of that how you manage with working with uh, with fan right. communities 
That's it for another episode of Data Slate. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com. You can find us at Facebook slash laveradio or at laveradio on Twitter. Uh, you can find the main show, which is broadcast live at 8.30 on Tuesday nights. All the gang will be in attendance there and give you your latest update on Elite Dangerous. And similarly, if you feel like a little late night company on your late night adventure in the stars, and similarly, if you feel like a little company on a late night adventure in the stars, then we have Top Shift run by Commander Colin Ford. So you can also see that on YouTube. We're also doing some episodes of Remote Outpost Gaming. That will be back in uh, a couple of weeks. And if you haven't booked already, you can find the information about LaveCon. Please do come and join us. There's still some tickets available. It's over at hwsevents.co.uk slash LaveCon. Okay, that's it until next time, Commanders. Until then, continue to ingest those adventures. Take care, fly safe, and if you can't fly safe, fly dangerous. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.